What's going on, everybody? So I want to let everybody know about my new merch brand. Okay, so I just got one of my new t-shirts that came in yesterday. The reason why I created this brand was because I wanted everybody to think about allowing the stock market to pay for everything that you need. So if you want to go on vacation this summer or go on vacation later this year, don't pay for it, trade for it. If you need to pay for your daughter's tuition, don't pay for it, trade for it. If you want to get an investment property, a beach house, or whatever your life truly desires, don't pay for it, trade for it. If this is a brand that you want to be a part of, that you want to rock, look, go to www.tradeforyourself.com, click catalog, and go look at the products that I have. On top of that, I've got free shipping on all orders. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to rock up on a t-shirt like this. Look, remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm going to catch y'all later on the other side. Welcome back to another episode of the Trade for Yourself podcast, where my mission here is still very simple, okay? I just want to help you learn how to trade and invest in the stock market for yourself. Make sure that you please like this, okay? Please like this. Please subscribe, okay? This is really going to help me get out to other people because this is the information that everybody really, truly needs to be successful and to make building wealth a priority for our lives, okay? So please do that. Please subscribe. Hit the notification bell so it can easily come to any Apple device that you have, any Samsung device, wherever you may have. Just hit that notification bell so the notification can come directly to your phone, to your iPad, tablet, whatever you have, because I want you to have the information real time at that specific moment. Now, let's talk about, okay, what the stock market has been focused on. And over the last few days, the stock market has been focused on a recession, okay, been focused on a recession. So I kind of want to talk about how the sentiment has been over the last few days, what's been going on. And I also want to talk about the big, big number that we have coming out on Friday. The producer price index is going to measure the inflation for producers year over year and month over month. That's going to be a very, very big number. And I have some things that I want to highlight just to put into your mind, just to put into your brain so you guys can kind of think about how I am viewing these particular reports. So let me go ahead and share my screen. And let me start out with looking at what Jamie Dimon has said, okay? so. You know, like I said, um, right now the stock market is focused on is focused on, on a recession. Okay, everything, all the news that is coming out right now is recession focused. Okay, and Jamie Dimon and other CEOs in the stock market didn't help. Okay, Jamie Dimon says that inflation is eroding consumer wealth and may cause a recession next year. Okay, and and, and let's talk about what Jamie Dimon was saying in his article now. JP Morgan and Chase CEO Jamie Dimon. Now, JP Morgan is the largest consumer bank in the United States. Okay. And when Jamie Dimon says something, the market pays close attention to it, that they really take it, that they really truly take it and they run with whatever he says. Okay. And so let's go through this article and see what he said that really made the market so fearful over the first half of this week. 
Now, CEO Jamie Dimon, he said that inflation could tip the U.S. economy into a recession next year. While consumers and companies are currently in good shape, that may not last much longer, Dimon said Tuesday on CNBC's Squawk Box. Consumers have $1.5 trillion in excess savings from COVID pandemic stimulus programs and are spending 10% more than in 2021, he said. Now, $1.5 trillion, that's a lot of money, y'all. So really put that into perspective now. Inflation is eroding everything I just said, and that trillion and a half dollars will run out sometime mid-year next year, Diamond said. When you are looking out forward, those things may very well derail the economy and cause a mild or hard recession that people worry about. The veteran J.P. Morgan CEO began to raise concerns about the economy earlier this year. In June, he said he was preparing his bank for an economic hurricane on the horizon, in part because of the Federal Reserve's reversal on bond buying programs and the Ukraine war. I remember when Jamie Dimon was talking about the economic hurricane and the market did not like that at all. Okay, didn't like it at all. Adding pressure, adding to pressure for borrowers, the Fed's benchmark interest rate is headed to 5%. Diamond noted Tuesday that rate may not be sufficient to subdue inflation, he added, which I mean, I, I may agree with him on that. During the wide ranging interview, Diamond called cryptocurrencies a complete sideshow that is rife with criminality and said globalization was in the process of being partly reversed as supply chains are restructured amid heightened geopolitical tensions. Diamond 66 has led the New York-based bank since 2006. Under his leadership, J.P. Morgan became the biggest U.S. bank by assets as it weathered the 2008 financial crisis, its aftermath, and the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. While the prospects for the economy may be dimming, the banking industry will be able to withstand a cycle of higher loan defaults, he said. That's in part because of the new capital requirements imposed on the industry after the 2008 crisis. The American banking system is unbelievably sound in a million different ways, Diamond said. Our capital cup runneth over. Okay, well, let's go back again. Okay, guys, for my Bible scholars out there, listen to what he listen to what he what he said. He said the American banking system is unbelievably sound in a million different ways. Our capital cup runneth over. Okay. What what is he telling you about the banks? Okay, so on one hand, he's telling us that, you know, we need to be anticipating a recession, which I understand. Me personally, I personally don't see how we get out of this without having a recession, 100%. But then on the other hand, he said that the American banking system is unbelievably sound. That means I can't even believe how good we're doing right now in a million different ways. He said that our capital cup runneth over. That means that if a recession were to happen, they have plenty of capital on the side to be able to cover all of the loan defaults that may potentially happen, right? Look, this is what I'm going to tell you, okay? I do believe that that a recession is on the horizon. And I, and I trust me, I do believe that we will be going into a recession, 
But I believe that the selling that we have done since last Friday is largely is largely overdone due to a lot of different headlines, due to a lot of different news. That's kind of what I'm thinking about it right now. It's not really any economic data that has really came out for real over the last few days. You know, we 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 had the job numbers that that were a little higher than what people were anticipating, but it wasn't as high as what other previous job readings have been in the past. So, so when the when the CEO of the largest U.S. bank by assets tells me that 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 the American banking system is unbelievably sound and their capital cup is runneth over, that doesn't make me feel bad at all. That doesn't make me feel bad at all. The banks are not going to be going down, okay? With interest rates being as high as they are right now, the banks are raking in money right now. They're making a lot of money, and that's what's being able to, to bolster up their loan reserves, right? That's what's helping them. And so when I hear everybody telling me about a recession coming, it's kind of like, if you don't think a recession is coming, if you don't believe a recession is coming, if 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 you just if you just say like man, I really truly don't know that a recession is coming, you have been under a rock for 12 months. Because because y'all, we are coming up on being in a bear market for about 12 months. Like you have been under a rock so, so CEOs coming out and telling me certain things, I, I, I know what CEOs are saying in certain industries because I'm listening to the earnings calls. The earnings calls give you a lot of information, and a lot of game about what's going on. So these articles that I'm seeing so much about recession and recession and recession, I've just been seeing so much. It just doesn't scare me because we already knew that. We have to see some data that reinforces and bolsters the fact that, hey, you know, we're really truly going into a recession, which could definitely happen. Now, remember the remember the last couple of weeks where I was talking about how there are certain economic indicators that we need to pay attention to to see where the market is going to be going for the, for the remainder of this year, right? There's one key indicator that we have coming up, okay? On Friday, and that is PPI. What does PPI stand for? PPI stands for the Producer Price Index, okay? The Producer Price Index measures the inflation rate for producers, right? The producers in the economy. Me personally, the way I feel about the PPI Index is this. If the prices for the producers, the, 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 the businesses and, and the manufacturers that make the goods, right? If those prices go higher, what's going to happen is that the producers are going to then pass those higher prices on to the consumer, which is then going to raise the consumer price index. I also feel about that on the opposite way. If the prices for the producers are going down, and when I say going down, they are markedly going down. I then believe that those same prices will then be passed on to the consumer at a lower price. Okay, so the producer price index could could be a very, very good indication of what the consumer price index is, which is going to come out on Tuesday. 
And then don't forget that we have the Fed meeting on Wednesday, which is number one, going to give us the Federal Reserve interest rate decision. And then number two, guess what it's going to give us? It's going to give us the summary of economic projections. The summary of economic projections is going to tell us, okay, how high do we believe that the, that the federal funds rate will get and how long will we stay there? Those are, com- those are some of the answers that we're going to be getting over the next few days. Now, look at here. We've got core PPI, which takes out food and energy. Okay, it, it takes out food and energy, right? And then we've got PPI, right, which is pretty much everything all together. Last month, we've got 8.0%, and we're expecting 7.2% for the PPI year over year, okay? The month over month number, we got 0.2% month over month, and we're expecting to have 0.2% again. So pretty much right in line with what we had last month. Now, the core PPI year over year, we had 6.7% last time, and we're expecting 5.9% this time. Core PPI last time, we did not have an increase on core PPI last time, but we are now expecting month over month to be 0.2%. At the end of the day, the market is going to move very, very violently in one way or the other based on these numbers. I'm going to say that again. The market is going to move very, very violently to the upside or the downside based on these numbers. If the market is going to move higher, then that means the PPI forecast is going to have to be lower or in line. But but I really want to say lower than all of these different expectations. If the market is going to if the market is going to go lower, these numbers are going to need to be higher or in line with what these numbers are. And when I say higher or lower, I mean they need to be very lower or they need to be very higher. It's really going to make a big difference in terms of where we are going to be when we close the market this week on Friday. Now, me personally, I personally believe that the PPI is going to be lower month over month, right? And I believe it's going to be lower year over year than what everybody is anticipated because of the things that are going on in the economy that are going to directly affect these PPI numbers. And I want to go through a, a, a couple of articles to kind of show you why I believe that. Now, the first article I want to look at is going to be global shipping, Okay, global shipping. Global shipping is a very, very big deal, y'all. It's a very, very big deal. Now, the freight rates, the freight rates from China to the West Coast are down 90% as global trade falls off fast, okay? Now, if you remember last month, we got the PPI numbers and the CPI numbers, The number one reason why CPI was down so much was because of the fast declining transportation cost, okay? The transportation costs were declining. So for 18 wheelers, the the transportation costs to move 18 wheelers across the country were declining. The freight costs, the the rail costs, all of those costs around the transportation 
were very, very lower, okay? And on top of that, we had fuel prices that were much, much lower. Now, this article right here is going to reinforce why I believe that we are going to be lower again. Now, let's go ahead and get into this. Now, logistics managers are sending the message to clients that the ocean freight market is correcting itself at a faster pace than anticipated. Now, shipping firm HLS recently wrote to clients that we initially expected the market was about to correct itself and normalize sometime in 2023, but it comes much earlier than we expected. The peak in the mark, according to Alan Baer, CEO of OLUSA, was the second quarter. So we had a peak in the second quarter of this year. From there, a steady decline, Barry said. The market may have reached the low point in November, he said, but added it is still too early to tell if this is a trend. Now, let's, let's say for the sake of argument, let's say that the low point is November, okay? If the low point is November, that means that PPI and possibly CPI could be the best numbers that we've had all year because of the fact of these low freight rates that have been going crazy since the pandemic with the supply chain logistics and things of that nature. But we've got to read it a little bit further to get a little bit more context. Now, despite the spot market collapse, the major shipping lines reported nearly $122 billion in profits over the first three quarters, according to C Intelligence CEO Alan Murphy. Trade data shows a decline in Asia imports to the U.S. by 11% year-over-year in October, which built on a September decline. We don't find any grounds for optimism in November, HLS told clients. The ocean freight contract market tracked by Zenith's global XSI recorded a drop of 5.7% in November. The third month in a row, rates have dropped and the largest month-over-month -month decline recorded since the launch of XSI in 2019, according to Peter Sand, chief analyst of Xena. For many carriers, the fall in the XSI will trigger the fall in their average rates and will bring an end to record-breaking quarters, he said. Sand expects the challenging environment to continue given the 40% drop in Chinese manufacturing orders and logistics managers expecting demand normalization to not occur until next summer, right? The change from a supply chain that had broken down in trying to keep up with unprecedented panic pandemic demand to a weak demand environment and freight market now oversupplied with both chips and containers highlights the risk of a prolonged downturn in the global economy. Okay, think about that. The over the oversupplying, right? I talked about NVIDIA a few months back, and NVIDIA was talking about how they oversupplied with chips. They overordered AMD, they overordered Qualcomm. So many companies, they overordered because of just the unprecedented demand because they wanted to make sure that they were going to meet the demand. But once the demand dropped off, that caused, that caused them to hurt their margins, hurt their revenue, hurt their profit. Everything had to come back down into equilibrium, okay? Now, 
Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Central banks across the world are raising interest rates to fight inflation. Lower demand is one is one goal of central banks. Okay, lower demand, which we are seeing, including the Federal Reserve, and that is pushing down supply chain prices that have been at record levels and were a significant contributing factor to inflation. But monetary policy is walking a fine line as a supply as a supply demand resetting can turn into a recession. More CEOs are what are they doing? They are citing the risk of a recession, signs of a weaker consumer and slowing sales. But the Fed is expected to maintain a higher interest rate policy. That's the fear. The market remains unconvinced the Fed can engineer lower inflation without forcing a hard landing i.e. recession on the economy. Now, Exenita data indicates that 85% of customers plan to decrease ocean freight spending in 2023, while 42% say their volumes will stay stable slash consistent with 2022, which Sam says suggests a further decline in cargo volumes. Despite the latest announced zero COVID policy easing measures by the Chinese government, Delays in the delivery of raw materials and products by truck, coupled with early manufacturing closures, are also pinching the logistics windows for shippers. Now, the orders are definitely down. Volumes are way down, said Joe Monaghan, CEO of Worldwide Logistics Group. Overall, vessel utilization is down, even with the large number of blank canceled sailings. According to Freitos, despite the increase in canceled sailings, which has cut vessel capacity, the hemorrhaging of ocean freight prices continues. Now, the, now the Asia-U.S. West Coast prices fell 26% to 1426 per FEU. This rate is 90% lower than the same time last year. Pay attention. Asia-U.S. East Coast decreased 19% and are 78% lower than rates for this week last year. Asia, Northern Europe, prices fell 2% and are 70% lower than the rates for this week last year. Easing fuel prices are removing some pressure on container rates as well, according to a, repro for, according to a report from Judah Levine, head of research for Freightos, and the U.S. East Coast has still booked gains versus the pre-COVID market as more Asian trade has shifted there. While Asia-U.S. West Coasts are now at a level 5% lower than in 2019, Asia-U.S. East Coast races are still 32% higher than three years ago. With the sustained pullback in orders, statistics released by BIMCO show Global container volumes have fallen 9.3% year over year, leading to an overcapacity situation. Christian Roloffs, co-founder and CEO of Container Exchange, an online platform for container logistics, says the decrease in demand will have a further impact on freight prices. In 2023, there is a high possibility of an all-out price war, Roloff said, it doesn't seem that the capacity restrictions that we have seen in the past two years are due to return. So we'll just have so we'll just have ample capacity both on the vessel as well as on the container side. With the competitive dynamics in the container shipping and liner industry, I don't expect especially the big players to hold back. And we do expect prices to come down 
to almost variable cost. We also foresee market consolidation. Now, look at everything that has been going on throughout this particular point. Remember what I told you was, was the biggest decrease when we got that great CPI number last month, okay? When, when pretty much we were measuring the, the numbers from October. It, we, it was because of the large decrease in transportation costs, okay? That the large decrease in transportation costs combined with decreasing fuel costs, okay? Don't forget also, we, we are at 52 week lows to to be honest with you or not necessarily 52 week lows but we are at year-to-date lows in terms of oil we are at very very low terms in terms of natural gas so so look at that from that perspective the prices are going to come down like i am expecting them to come down in november okay when we get the ppi number and when we get the CPI number, because of how the numbers are, are falling, how the, how the numbers are competitive, right? How they come together with the energy, with the energy, with the transportation costs, right? It just seems to me that the numbers should be coming down. And I would be completely shocked if inflation elevated and actually spiked in the month of November. That would be a bad, bad situation for the market. But there's one last thing I want to look at, too that may also help out with the PPI and CPI numbers. Now, the used vehicle demand and prices continue to decline from record highs. People have been talking about this all year long, the used vehicle demand and the prices, right? They're finally starting to come back in and come back in line. Now, the wholesale prices for used vehicles reached their lowest level in more than a year last month as retail sales declined amid interest rate hikes, rising new vehicle availability, and recessionary fears. Remember, a lot of people are buying or are purchasing vehicles by using loans, okay? And remember, the interest rates have been increasing. As the interest rates increase, the demand for these vehicles are going to come down. Same thing on the housing side. You are purchasing a mortgage, which has an interest rate attached to it. So the demand is going to then come down, right? Cox Automotive said Wednesday that its Manhim used vehicle value index, which tracks the prices of used vehicles sold at its U.S. wholesale auctions, has declined 15.6% from record levels in January through November. The index dropped to 199.4 last month, below 200 for the first time since August 2021, and is down 14% from the same month a year ago. It marks the six consecutive months of decline. That is a very, very big deal in terms of inflation and the prices. The following prices come as the availability of new vehicles steadily rises from historically lows, providing additional options for consumers and potentially better loan options from automakers financing arms. New inventory is finally starting to build, and that's producing momentum in new retail sales. But that momentum appears to be at the expense of used retail, especially it's the traditional used car buyer that's most impacted by payment affordability. Cox chief economic economist Jonathan Smoke said Tuesday during an industry update. Now, look at this chart right here. It's been down. We had the peak in January, but we have been coming down precipitously, right? We're below 200, which is a very, very good thing. And as the supply chain issues iron themselves out, right? 
as the inventory levels for the semiconductors that are going into these cars as as more inventory comes online this is really truly going to help out the demand for these used cars now the retail prices for consumers traditionally follow changes in wholesale prices that's good news for potential car buyers however not great for companies such as embattled retailer carbana that purchase vehicles at record highs and are now trying to sell them at a profit Retail pricing thus far has not declined as quickly as wholesale prices as dealers attempt to hold steady on record high pricing, I think because they're used to selling them at such high prices. According to the most recent data, Cox reports the average listing price of a used vehicle was $27,564 in October, down less than a half percent from the beginning of the year. They're not wanting to sell at troll prices, said Chris Frey, senior industry insights manager at Cox Automotive, told CNBC last month. That's why we're not seeing the prices decline so much at retail, right? That you see, they're not trying to sell at the low. They're really trying to get that good profit because they've been they've been fixated to those prices for so long that they can't let them go. It's going to take a while for them to let them go. Cox estimates that used retail sales declined 1% in November from October and were down 10% from a year earlier. Automakers for several years now have been battling through a semiconductor chip shortage, I was just talking about that, that has sporadically halted production of new vehicles, causing record low inventories of vehicles and higher prices. The circumstances pushed many new vehicle buyers into the used car market. Cox last month estimated the total used market was on pace to finish the year down more than 12% from 40.6 million 2021. Now these are two articles that are kind of that are kind of looking that I'm kind of looking at and I'm saying to myself, hey, I really truly believe that PPI is going to come down and I believe that CPI is going to come down. I believe that inflation is going to continue to come down over time, right? Through 2023, I believe that inflation is going to continue to come down. I've never been in the camp of runaway inflation, 10%, 11%, 12% inflation, like they were saying from the 1980s. I, I'm just not buying that. But I'm telling you, when, when you look at the data, when you look at the data and you look at everything that is going on, it really tells me that I believe we're going to get a good number on PPI and a good number on CPI. Now, I don't know what Jerome Powell is going to say from an interest rate perspective, right? I don't know what he's going to give us from a summary of economic projections perspective. Is he going to tell us where the terminal rate is trying to get to? Is he going to tell us how long it's going to be there? I don't know. But what I will tell you is that I'm expecting PPI to be lower, okay? Look, and, and you know what? I'm probably going to speculate on it by trading some spy calls, probably because I feel like it's going to be lower. Look, don't follow me. Okay, look, look, don't follow me necessarily unless you actually believe in it yourself. I'm just being 100% honest and being 100% forthright and just letting you know how I feel and how I'm going to be playing it. Okay. Now, before we get out of here, I want to go through the charts, right? I, I can't, I, I really truly can't get us out of here without going through a chart. And what do you know? Let's go through a chart of SPY. Now, I have a year-to-date chart drawn of SPY, okay? And, and as you guys know, we are, we are in a defined downtrend, right? 
Like, I, I feel like a broken record at times when I say this, right? A series of lower highs and lower lows. Like, you can, you, you, you can, you can see the defined downtrend, okay? And we came to 410, a very key level, and we bounced off of this trend line. We could not close above this trend line last week. Now, you may say yourself, you may, you may say to yourself, man, Devon, like, we're really in a defined downtrend. Like, like why in the world would be would we be trying to play anything to the upside? Well, I'm going to tell you why. I'm, I'm going to tell you why I believe there's a possibility that the Santa Claus rally that I was talking about last week could still possibly be in play for the S&P 500. Now, some things have to happen in order for that Santa Claus rally to actually hold, to actually stay through. Now, tomorrow, we're going to get initial jobless claims numbers, okay? And, and I believe that that may, that may move the market a little bit. But I'm anticipating the market to really trade sideways, to be completely honest with you. And I'm anticipating us to stay above this 390 level, okay? In pre-market trading this morning, we came down to 390.99 and we held that, right? 390 is a very, very key level, okay? We broke and we closed above this level almost one month ago and we've been above it ever since, right? I was, also, I was also talking about this before. We broke below 390 in the middle of September, and it took us two months to get above it. And we, and we have multiple touches of that 390 level. So that 390 level is very, very, very important. This 390 level is very, very key, right? Now, again, I told you, like, for real, like, we are, we, we are in a defined downtrend, right? And trust me, I understand. I'm not telling anybody that we're going to all-time highs anytime soon. Like, to be completely honest with you, I'm actually bearish over the next pretty much, pretty much from, from January on to March, I'm actually bearish, right? Because of seasonality, because I feel like we're going to have some bad economic data that is going to come between January and March. But at the same time, I still believe that we have opportunities. Why? Because the economic data can trump the technicals. Like if we have good inflation numbers, if we have good CPI numbers, and Jerome Powell is not so hawkish, right, that can cause us to break above this 4,100 level and actually proceed to have a pretty nice bear market rally, right? To be completely honest with you, right, we were at 410 right here. For us to continue to move higher and actually have a pretty good bear market rally, you know what I'm saying, throughout the end of the year and have that Santa Claus rally, we were going to have to pull back simply because of the fact I feel that we were overextended, okay? We were overextended at the end of the day. Like we were really truly beginning to get overextended. And so when you look at it from that, so when you look at it from that perspective, okay, let's look at the RSI. Let's look at the RSI reading, like which is one of my favorite indicators, right? That measures our relative strength index. Okay. We were at we were at around 64, right? We were at around 64. Remember, 70 is overbought. We were around 64 
right in here last week, pretty much when we had that big news because of when Powell was doing his interest rate, was doing his interest rate talk, right? When he was speaking to everybody and he was having that talk. Now the market is down. Let's go ahead and measure this very quickly here. It won't take us long. From the 4,100, from 410, from 410 down to where we closed that today, to where we closed it today, the market is down 4% in less than a week, right? We'll, we'll just say about a week. It's down 4% in about a week. So we're lower than where we were before Powell even went up there and spoke, right? Right, so you can look at that from a, from a, from a conspiracy, theory, conspiracy perspective, whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day, in order for us to really truly move higher, we were going to have to pull back anyway. We were going to have to pull back anyway. Like I said, if we're able to respect this 390 level, which I believe that we can, and if we get good PPI numbers, Friday could possibly, Friday could either be a two two and a half percent upside day or a two and a half percent downside day because the market is fixated on this inflation right now. Right, they're they're fixated on what is the inflation going to be. They're 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 fixated on this idea of a potential recession, all things of that nature. So I'm telling you, this is what you need to be looking at for Friday. Right, I think that. If as long as we close above 390 on tomorrow, right, and we get a good PPI number, we could be at 39.75, which is right at 400, which is again a key level. We could also come down two and a half percent if we have bad numbers to the downside, 380.25, right, which is another key level, right. So we're really truly in a situation to where we're kind of in no man's land right now. We don't really know where we're going, but I'm telling you, unless we close above 390 and we have bad economic data, I still believe that a rally is possible. I still believe that a rally is very, very possible, y'all, but we have to see. We have to see the data. I'm not ready to make a call to say that we're going down to, to 350 or whatever before the year is over or a call to say that we're going to 430. I'm telling you that both scenarios are in play, okay? That's what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to explain to you and just argue to you and just you know give you some things to think about that both scenarios are actually still in play. I'm not being biased one way or the other, okay? Like I said, I said that I may speculate with some spy calls on tomorrow, right, to speculate the move on Friday, but I'm not telling you to follow me. Why? Because I'm only risking the amount that I'm willing to lose because I understand that this position could potentially go to zero, right? So look at, so, so, so like I said, We've talked about all these different things, right? We're in the situation to where the economic data could potentially be better than what we're expecting, right? Sentiment can change very, very quickly. Sentiment can change very, very quickly. The market went from 393.48 to 407.68 in one day. 
in one day, not just in one day, in two hours. Because Powell didn't start speaking until the afternoon. <laughs> he didn't start speaking until the afternoon. The market went that high in two hours. And we lost it all and we closed below where we were last week. What happens if we actually do get good PPI data? What happens if we actually do get good CPI data? What happens if, if Jerome Powell says, says, that, the, says that, th that the Federal Open Market Committee is being more data dependent? And we're trying to make sure that we can engineer things to make sure that the economy can still function the way that it needs to. Think about those things. Think about those things that we could be looking at. And I'm telling you, look, again, Friday, PPI, PPI Friday, producer price index. I'm looking at a 2.5% upside to, to nearly 400 or 2.5% downside to 380. It just depends on the data that we get and what actually happens. Look again, I appreciate y'all again for tapping into another key episode of the Trade for Yourself podcast. Again, make sure that you please like this. Please subscribe to this, okay? Please, okay? Look, let me know in the comments what you think about where we're going in the economy. Again, right now, sentiment right now is all about a recession and we sold off. But again, this is what I want you to remember, right? I'm not telling you to be biased one way or the other. You have to make that decision for yourself, right? That's why this is a trade for yourself podcast because you've got to make these decisions for yourself. Just think about these things for a second. Think about where you actually believe the market could go and what could happen based on the results that we could get. Remember, if we were going to have a strong year in rally into the into the end of the year, we were going to have to pull back because we were getting a little bit too overextended. Okay. As always, remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm gonna catch up with y'all next week.